Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about getting to know your kids based on what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. get this stretch out oh yeah let me crush this stretch real quick yeah that that would be that'd be kind of like how you might let's say awaken from a reclusive sleep Uh uh-huh that's right (laughs) awaken from a or 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 perhaps how a tiger wakes from a deep cat nap Mm. hi everybody i'm here with my friend ej Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Mm-hmm. And today, guess what, folks? Uh, we don't—I don't know. Maybe you're looking at an, an on a on some sort of app that tracks this. And if you are, you would know. Today's our fiftieth episode. Hey, happy fiftieth day, EJ. We did it. Thank you. I deserve that. I deserve that. It's yeah. like a second birthday for me. Um, <laughs> like a third birthday for you because you kind of get two already throughout uh-huh. the year. Yeah, so. it's it's really funny because uh, until recently, all of my podcasts, like, they basically mm-hmm. all started around, I don't know, like, between September and October. So there was this period where it's, like, always, like, the, the year it's and the 50s. Birthday. It was always just, like, this is all <laughs> happening. But they've, all, they've kind of all spread out now, which is nice. But That's good. Uh, I am stoked uh, to have done 50 episodes with you, EJ. Uh, it's been a delightful project uh, keeping up with all of these books. It's the, I think the funniest aspect of this thing is how recently we've been very much catching up with ourselves. Uh, we we had a really really big lead on recording <laughs> episodes versus yeah. uh, them being posted, and this one is not the case anymore. Which means at some point you and right. I have to have like a huge catch up session or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've questioned we, if this show should have seasons or not, but I, I I don't know. We were like two to three months ahead at mm-hmm. one point, like pretty far ahead. Like at one point, I, we were just like, ah, we can kind of take yeah. a month off, and we needed it. Like right. we needed the lead because. It got real busy for both of us. Yep. Kind of real quick here in the fall. The summer, and the late summer, August, J- J- July, yeah. August, September was nuts. Well, and, but it still felt like we could knock out a few yeah. of these, you know, a week. And right. then, like, all of a sudden, it was like grinding halt. Like, we just yeah. kind of, we just couldn't, like, there was just no time to record and all that. So, right. I'm, I'm really happy that we even got to this point, um, you know. When we first started this project a year ago, you know, it's funny to look back and see how different the project kind of was uh-huh. uh, when we first started and how it's kind of evolved into uh, just a hangout time. Yeah. You know, I love just kind of the hangout time. Like, I, I love that there's not really a goal here other yeah. than just kind of like talking about stuff we like Absolutely. and what's cool about everything we've read is it's all stuff we like. like yeah we're pretty we've been pretty good so far about reading <laughs> a thing and liking yeah. it in the end and not having to be yeah. like a big bummer and maybe that's just both of our personalities where it's like i don't know i'll find something i like in anything there's books that i'm like i think back on i'm like yeah i don't necessarily care about that book now but i'm happy to have read it They're, they were short that's i think that's the beauty of this thing is none of them took mm-hmm. that much time right so whatever except for except for the percy jackson books did <laughs> feel like they took forever yeah um, yeah they did take a that's while the only those downside are, and, 
to the whole show. I did show. think we we had blocked those out of our memories when we talked about it. So really, 48 good episodes, <laughs> I would say, isn't bad. I mean, 96% is That's pretty nothing good. to scoff at. Yeah, yeah. Say, uh, so. Well, today uh, we wanted to take, if anything, this is one where we are, we're playing a bit of catch-up by uh, hitting a topic that... I don't think either of us needed to read anything for. Uh, we are talking about Calvin and Hobbes, the legendary late 80s, early 90s comic strip by Bill Watterson. And yeah. uh, I have been reading Calvin and Hobbes my entire life. I could do this Same. episode in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no, like, Calvin and Hobbes was around before I was born and yeah, before you were born. For sure. So it's pretty easy to just be like, this is a thing that's always existed right yeah for sure. you and me like existence you know <laughs> starts in, in 1989 or whenever you were born and like goes forward from there and it's like i've never lived in a calvin and hobbs list world yes exactly um, so it just felt like it was always going to be a classic no matter what right and uh and a big part of that is the fact that it uh had a, t a place in history and then it stopped having that place in history the the story of Bill Watterson is he mm -hmm. wrote Calvin and Hobbes for about a decade and then he said I've, I've explored everything I want to explore with this I'm done and in fact I'm I'm just done <laughs> uh, <laughs> publishing things uh, you know yeah. certainly he's an artist he continued to uh, I one would assume draw and paint and everything yeah but uh, he kind of then released nothing after uh, December 31st 1995 was the final uh, you know, panel of Calvin and Hobbes, and we basically didn't see anything from him. There were like random little compilations he would like help out. You know, there's mm -hmm. like, oh, that you're doing a charity for Parkinson's. I'll contribute a piece to help with that. And right. then, uh, wildly enough, this year he authored uh, a book called The Mysteries uh, with illustrations by John Cashed. Uh, mm -hmm. so not even getting any more Bill Watterson art. We, we, we do nope. not get to see more Bill Watterson art, no matter what we want. <laughs> we just get um, his, his kind of, uh, his, uh, linguistic yes, art, right? Absolutely. Which is a, is a whole thing in itself, but yeah, uh, just a person who chose to fade away and, and it even was like very, I think, self-aware of the, the fact that, uh, here's a good quote. Uh, if I had rolled along with the strip's popularity and repeated myself mm -hmm. for another 5, 10, or 20 years, the people now grieving for Calvin and Hobbes would be wishing me dead and cursing newspapers for running tedious <laughs> ancient strips like mine instead of acquiring fresher, livelier talent. And I'd be agreeing with them. <laughs> right. So it's, it's kind of that recognition of, uh, you know, why spin the wheels when you've explored the ideas you want to explore? And boy, there are just so many ideas in Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, yeah. I, I'm curious, I mean, neither of us basically grew up uh, able to read Calvin and Hobbes in the newspaper, right? By, by 1995, I'm just coming to like minor reading age and you are definitely not there yet. So I have to assume your familiarity yeah. with uh, Calvin and Hobbes is the same as mine, which is that Calvin and Hobbes was, uh, there were a ton of these coffee table compilation yes. books of Calvin and Hobbes. And yes. my grandmother owned, I don't know, th two or three or four or whatever. Mm -hmm. And every time I would go to her house, 
I would just read those. I just sit there and read those until my family started getting me them for Christmas. And so then I, you know, by the time I was like 15, I had a collection of almost every single published Calvin and Hobbes book and I would read them regularly uh, until <laughs> like until I went to college. I was continuing yeah. to read Calvin and Hobbes. I think for me, it's it's a similar experience. This was, it was in classrooms. Uh, mm, I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember this. It was classrooms all the way up until my ninth grade English class wow. um, had a Calvin and Hobbes book in her room. She had, she had one yeah. uh, of these just kind of compilations and there's so many, so many, like I can't even, yeah. I can't even begin to say how many there are. And that's why I'm so impressed by this thing that you kind of lent over to me, which is this, um, this uh, compendium. The omnibus. The complete, yeah. The complete Calvin yeah. and Hobbes came out in 2005 mm -hmm. and when it released, I was like, I must have that. I This is a thing I have to acquire. I don't right. think I actually received it until maybe like a year or two later. I don't think I got like the first, you know, right out the gate issue. But mm -hmm. I, I, I think I asked for it every Christmas until I got it, which took like maybe two or three years or something. Um, because right. it is this beautiful uh it's it's a i'm looking at it right now on my shelf uh, yeah. the box i should say because you have you have two of the three books it's three huge heavy hard book uh or hardcover uh coffee table books that all go inside of this big insert uh and it is every single calvin and Hobbes comic ever published except for i believe like two got left out for some reason i've looked them up before too huh. there's not even anything weird they just are two that like got left out for some reason i don't know it but might it, even be a formatting thing it, who knows wild. i don't even know but it's it's it is basically every single uh strip of calvin and Hobbes ever uh created and uh it is so sad because uh the box is all torn up it's basically too big to fit on a bookshelf it's it extends mm -hmm. past my bookshelf and when i first got my dog in 2017 yeah. uh she had a bit of a chewing problem uh when she first came home and yeah. one of the earliest uh casualties to that was the corner of my calvin and hobbs uh complete calvin hobbs book and uh, a, a chunk a bit of the third book. So the two EJ have are, are nice and clean and pristine. And then my third one that I've been reading from is a bit banged up, which is truly heartbreaking because I've I've uh, said this before. And, you know, those games people play where it's mm -hmm. like a, a, a deck of just like conversation starters. Someone's yeah. like, what is your most prized possession? My most prized possession is my complete Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I can say that yeah. uh, to it like de facto. I don't care about most of my possessions. I could throw out most of my stuff, uh, pretty much all of my just stuff and be fine with that. Uh, mm. But in terms of like stuff I've received as gifts or stuff I own, stuff I paid money for or whatever, uh, nothing is higher to me than my complete Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, it, I, it is a part of my personality, <laughs> this comic strip. Yeah. So uh, it means a lot to me. <laughs> well, it's interesting because that you say that because I feel like it has encapsulated kind of an entire generation yeah, and a half absolutely. of people who who do have it as a part of their personality for for one reason or the or mm -hmm. another. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, a real good close friend of mine, his name's Corey. Uh, Corey has um, just a really deep love for Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's, it's universal. Like it is. That, and yeah. I, I don't really know. It kind of reminds me of, of peanuts, right? Sure. Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes kind of run in the same hand in hand. Like yeah. maybe the two most beloved comic strips ever. Right. Like no, like you, it would be hard to find somebody from, you know, from two generations before us yeah. that hates peanuts <laughs> right. in the same way that you would be hard pressed to find a millennial uh, or even a Gen X, a late who, Gen who X, dislikes, yeah, yeah, totally. Who doesn't like who doesn't like Calvin and Hobbes? So yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's just universal, and, and I I just don't know how one achieves something that is so comprehensively loved. Yeah, um, and I I would like to kind of maybe dig into the format, explore of that. that a little yeah, bit. so uh, obviously we are talking about comic strips. We're talking about mm-hmm. you know three to five panels uh, you know average of four just four panels of uh, of a comic strip yep. uh and then uh you know six daily issues and then every sunday uh, a larger print uh mm-hmm. sunday formatted thing uh one thing to note here is apparently uh waterson is kind of famous for the formatting of the Sunday panels, like really being kind yeah. of a shakeup in the newspaper industry, because a lot yeah. of times newspapers would try to conserve space by cutting off what was usually like the title card panel, right? Like in, in yeah. Sunday comics, you have like, you have two rows of the four or whatever. So you have like eight panels, but you have like a, you have a long title card panel as well. And right. a lot of newspapers would try to cut those out. And Watterson would like, force the jokes into there or force part of the story into there where they couldn't get away with cutting up his panels or whatever like they had to use his entire thing and he sort of like rebelled against anybody carving up uh parts of his his comics or whatever to make sure they were included but yeah these all of these collections are essentially here's six strips and then here's the sunday and here's six strips and here's the sunday the thing Mm -hmm. that always struck me about the collections is and this is true for all sorts of of comic strip authors but i feel like the big thing that stands out to me about calvin and hobbes is how often he has continuing story threads the week is i'm telling this story this week and you're almost meant to read week after week this absolutely happens in tons of I, i i can i have so many memories in my life of my dad laughing at comic strips and then reading them to me that's just he is that cliche person of like ha Hey, come here. You got to read this one. You got to come over here. Come up. This is hilarious this week or whatever. So I know, Uh I know there's all kinds that like the stories are always carrying over, but I feel like Watterson is like someone who truly pioneered uh, that as a format. And more specifically, the thing to me that is the most striking, especially in rereading a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes is Mm -hmm. how often he is not devoted to any kind of punchline in so many comic strips so many of them it's just a part of the whole and like the last panel is maybe kind of funny right but it's not <laughs> like it's not like like jokes set up and then punchline all the time it's just like this is part of this story like sometimes there's one-off yeah. ones and those are a lot more jokey but when he's doing mm-hmm. like a story arc he's just injecting uh, what I would call like joy into the strip. That's all it is. Like yeah. the humor, the thing you smile at is like, man, this kid's precocious or man, this tiger is friendly He's or man, I relate rascal. to that angry mom or man, I relate to that dad <laughs> or what, you know, like the, all of these, right. all of these things are, uh, I, I just feel like the, the punchline to so many Calvin and Hobbes strips is not some twist. It's just like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's true isn't it <laughs> or yeah, whatever I'm, I'm looking at one right now i just thought i would open the book and this one's so easy to describe all it is is it's a sunday comic and uh, uh it's calvin and Hobbes in the in the title card they're pulling a record out of a out of a record thing uh a record sleeve yeah and uh and calvin's putting on sunglasses and then the next <laughs> nine to yes. ten panels oh my gosh i know exactly just, which one you're talking about mm-hmm, i can picture I, the exact panel <laughs> That is just them dancing. They yeah. dance for about nine panels, and the punchline is the mom is getting up out of bed, and she says, "Either he's playing classical music at seventy-eight RPM, or I'm still dreaming." And then the dad says, first thing tomorrow morning, I'm calling the orphanage." <laughs> that's, that's the whole bit. It's so good. It's so it. It's just so smart because that that's one that has like kind of a small twist because you don't recognize that it's nighttime. Nighttime, right? sure. Until but, you go back and look and see that he's actually in his pajamas and be like, oh, well, those right. are pajamas, right? Yeah. Well, uh, but so yeah. to talk about what Calvin and Hobbes is so often about, uh, obviously, okay, uh, if you don't know, uh, you must be like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like it, maybe Gen Z is like completely out of the yeah, loop on th- Calvin and Hobbes. And that would be such a shame to me. Not. Yeah, I hope, I hope not. not. I don't think we have a Gen Z audience at all. So there's no way for us to find yeah. this out. <laughs> so yeah, welcome no. fellow millennials to our show. Thank you for joining <laughs> yeah, us. <hello. laughs> uh, but uh, Calvin is a kid. Uh, you'll know him from those horrible bumper stickers where he pees on the Chevrolet logo or, yeah, whatever, or whatever, whatever logo. stupid thing. To be clear, those were like unlicensed, hateful, uh, this is yeah, like part of the terrible. reason Watterson was like, I'm getting out of this stupid industry. All of this yeah. sucks and all of you suck and I can't protect. The only way I can protect my things is by just like stopping and disappearing and going away. Um, it's true. But he's he's a precocious little kid. He's like seven or eight or whatever. And he has an imaginary uh, friend named Hobbes who not just an imaginary friend. It is a stuffed animal who he envisions as alive. And the, the sort of whole hook of Calvin and Hobbes is how... Uh, sort of seamlessly it dips between Calvin's imagination and reality mm-hmm. and how you you never have to like adjust to that you always understand what's being expressed because suddenly Hobbes will be just the stuffed animal and like you just know that nobody else sees Hobbes the way Calvin sees Hobbes and this also right. is accentuated in so many comics where the whole uh, Sunday strips were especially popular for this because he could like use crazy colors and stuff where it's Calvin in full imagination mode. He has a character named Spaceman Spiff uh, where he yep. goes on adventures throughout the, the galaxy. Which is based on a comic that Watterson did before. Right. Um, yeah. Which is fun. Uh, so and, and also he there's there's a lot of comics where he's like back in time and there's dinosaurs. There's all sorts of stuff. But you're always bouncing back and forth between Calvin's imagination and reality and that's like really what the strip is about is like kids being in their own world and i think this is the number one reason it's like so popular with every human being is the idea that as a kid you read it and you're like calvin's a funny kid just like me you i think as a kid you love the snowman comics uh calvin in in the winter uh obviously obviously we're talking about a release schedule where like you know bill is always you know current events not necessarily he's not remarking on current events but he's remarking on the seasons and when and when snow would come around you would get these comic strips where there's no dialogue it's just showing what kind of horrible things calvin (laughs) is making out of snowman these like graphically violent scenes of just like snowmen everywhere they're some of the funniest 
uh, uh, scenes in all of Calvin Hobbes. And those feel like they're more for kids because they're just like, oh my gosh, Calvin Hobbes, Calvin is so funny. I, I, I relate to being a kid and parents not understanding me. But then obviously older people relate to it too because you just see this in this wild child <laughs> like doing all of these things <laughs> and the parents are so often reacting just like what am i supposed to do with you like what what is this and and yeah. i think ej and i can both relate that like sometimes your kid comes up to you and just says something and you're like i can't imagine where that came from and i'm dying to be inside your head to know where where your imagination runs away to yeah it's it's interesting too because as your kid becomes more vocal um you know you you actually kind of lose a little bit of that mm -hmm. um, to a point, right? They're still young and imaginative, but it's not the same uh, as when they're kind of like in that age range that your daughter is currently yeah. in, uh, where they just kind of have like, they're like, I'm going to play pretend for five hours, yeah. you know? And you're like, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what this is, entails, but here, here we go. We're all doing it. Right. Um, versus like, you know, once they're kind of in school, uh, they cling to kind of more practical realities, which is kind of what makes Calvin so unique yeah. is because Calvin is kind of that younger sided kid, but he has like such a, a, a an impressive um, imagination, right? right? Like yeah. he, he's so, uh, he's kind of beyond his years. He's almost like a genius in his own right, because yeah. even though he's like, you know, repeatedly oh, not a genius at school. Calvin, like, he's, Calvin he's is the quintessential good. if he would just apply himself kind of <laughs> yeah. kid. He is the absolute. Yes. Yeah, because so much of it is about even his relationship at school with other kids and his teacher. Like, it's right. not like just his parents are like, what am I going to do with this kid? Like, everybody has a problem with Calvin. And yet Calvin is still a, like amazingly lovable. And that's like the best True. part of him is he's not like... I mean, he is malicious, but it's like jovially. <laughs> he's 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 yeah. a nice kind of malice, uh, yeah. and and what he the antics he's always up to are like messing with people, but it's like impossible not to love it. Basically, it's similar to like Dennis the Menace, right? It's the same. It's it's very similar idea as Dennis the Menace, except for Dennis the Menace is from this you know more like 50s mentality and and being you know being a menace and being a precocious kid i feel like has a different meaning i think watterson has the advantage of writing this stuff in the late 80s when yes childhood was being redefined i think like post 70s we we started to like change what was okay for kids to do right and for and and so the idea that calvin talks back to his parents that's a regular feature of uh calvin hobbes now it helps that he's speaking in like a <laughs> a 26 year old's vocabulary right he, he he's like a young philosopher uh given his name calvin and hobbes are literally two philosophers it's sort of right. the whole joke of the series but the notion is like kids are allowed to interact with their parents in that way. They're not supposed to just be silent and sit in the corner. I feel like the 80s is like a definitive time in kids getting to break out of that mold. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Just let kids run around and be kids. It's fine. It's okay that they are right. a little bit dangerous or whatever. And that's like the theme of Calvin and Hobbes, right? Is like, let's go exploring is is what they are always up to. Yeah, it's in it. I don't know. I, I feel like to like uh, I love the subversion that that uh, Watterson does with Calvin and Hobbes all the time. You talk about them being philosophers, mm -hmm. um, 
I love how like there will be these long wordy strips, yes. right? Yeah. Where it's like where it takes up basically the entire panel is just like this Words. long screed, yeah. yeah, of like something that Calvin is saying, and then Hobbes like has like maybe a two word input, uh-huh. and then Calvin turns around and like basically subverts everything he just said, yes. right? Yeah, like it, that's kind of like the whole joke of of every single one of those philosophical strips, but they're always so. Um, uh, enlightening and there and uh, one thing that Watterson mentioned in his foreword is how much he sees himself in the characters mm-hmm. um, whenever he looked back on it right like he was trying to be more subtle but when he goes back and he looks at the at the old strips he 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 sees just like I, I can't believe I was so uh, you know brazen with my yeah. <laughs> with my attitude on the page essentially well, and the the beauty of it is the notion that very often calvin and hobbes are engaging in some sort of philosophical debate right so many right. of the strips you're describing the ones where it's like a ton of text it, they're having a back and forth there's somewhere like they're both right. equally talking back and forth but when you remember that all of this is calvin imagining this conversation and imagining mm-hmm. hobbes is talking back to him like calvin and hobbes is about your inner dialogue you have with yourself the heart in in con you know in contest with itself calvin and hobbes is about like questioning things and and having sort of a debate and not knowing how you stand on things uh i i i think there's such like an important quality to the to like and it's understated because again it's like hobbes is a character and you can easily forget that it's just calvin's imagination but when you sort of accept that all of these things are Calvin like working out morality <laughs> in his head um, mm-hmm. via his tiger friend. It's such an important tool for kids to like gain that level of self-awareness or whatever. Like like the idea that it's okay to have these sorts of dialogues uh, with yourself. Yeah. Uh, I got to say too, uh, I want to hear some, some more anecdotes from you about... <laughs> About some Calvin and Hobbes moments, um, some run-ins that I've had. Like I said, I went. I talked about my ninth grade English class. Uh, I was not a voracious reader mm-hmm. growing up, um, but I did love Calvin and Hobbes uh, any chance that I would get. And so mm-hmm. even fifteen-year-old EJ um, would go and like you know during the quiet time on Fridays. Uh, Fast Fridays is what they were called. Do you uh-huh. remember those, Matt? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> On Fast Fridays, we just had like a reading session was all we could do. And I would always just grab Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. It was the same well, book every single week and I did not care. Yeah, Hilariously too, kind of as you describe, it's not like Calvin and Hobbes comic strips are light on words. Like no. my, I, I would sit with those compilation books and they would, I mean, I would not read them all in one sitting. It, they are oh. jam packed. <laughs> they are yeah, very, very dense comic strip books uh and and you don't just burn through them especially like the idea i was trying to read some of them and i had to stop and go back and reread strips from the start because i was like wait what did we just unpack right there like what what are we talking about and and i you know you find yourself having to like reset because like really complicated topics are getting sort of covered in it even if it's in generally simplistic terms you you brought up one of the wordy like philosophical debate uh comics and i was just reading one the other night and i became like fascinated with it uh and it's also like a glimpse into sort of i don't know how bill watterson saw the world like to your example of him him looking back on them being like oh i didn't realize how brazen i was being how on the nose i was being (laughs) 
right? I feel like comic strips are meant to, and maybe this is just because of my upbringing, but meant to be like, like I said with my dad, you have to like read a comic strip and you go, hey, you gotta, you gotta check <laughs> yeah. this one out. And there's like a special quality to reading someone else a comic strip that they, you could just hand it to them and let them read it. But there's like a, there's a thing that must be done in comic reading where it's you have to read it to the person, the other person in the room, whether it be a spouse or a friend. So I feel like we need to, you, you gave me yeah, one earlier. That, so yeah. now it's my turn. I need to read one to you that, that I yes, just struck ahead. me. So <laughs> Hobbs and Calvin are uh, in their red wagon and they're pl planning to race down the hill together. They're, they're, they're zooming down the hill. And Calvin says, Iconic. It's true, Hobbs. Ignorance is bliss. Once you know things, you start seeing problems everywhere. And once you see problems, you feel like you ought to try to fix them. And fixing problems always seems to require personal change. And change means doing things that aren't fun. I say fooey to that. But if you're willfully stupid, you don't know any better. So you can keep doing whatever you like. The secret to happiness is short-term stupid self-interest. And then Hobbes says, we're heading for that cliff. And Calvin says, I don't know what to do about it. And they race off a cliff and they scream and they crash. And the final panel is uh, them completely battered and torn. And Hobbes says, I'm not sure I can stand so much bliss. And Calvin says, careful. We don't want to learn anything from this. <laughs> That's so good. The whole That's strip so is smart. just images of the two of them careening yeah, down the hill. Down so hill. often yeah. the illustrations are just like, yeah, that's happening in the background. Mostly I just wanted to write these thoughts down and there just happened to be yeah. images attached to them. But even within that, I, I think the other strength of Bill Watterson is how evocative the illustrations are. He is mm. the master of getting a cartoon to express a myriad of emotions right yeah uh, i mean another great example is that one you said that dancing strip like i can picture it and he he's come up with nine like the wholly unique yeah. dance moves and you can feel the transition from one yeah. to the other you know what i mean like you can feel the fluidity from yeah. panel to panel in that one and it's just i i i am obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes, I am obsessed too with the panels that are not jokes at all. They are just yeah. a poignant moment. The the final uh, Calvin and Hobbes strip is mm. uh, December thirty first, nineteen ninety five. It's a winter strip. They have a sled uh, and they're getting ready to once again go down a hill. Like you said, iconic. They're always just when when he just Going wants to have hill. them talk. That Calvin and Hobbes have their conversations careening down hills moving. It, it, yeah, moving. It's, all moving it's always moving yeah. it's on a sled in the winter or it's in the wagon yeah. in any other season or whatever uh but the yeah. the final strip is just wow it really snowed last night isn't it wonderful everything familiar has disappeared the world looks brand new a new year a fresh clean start it's like having a big white sheet of paper to draw on a day full of possibilities it's a magical world hobbs old buddy let's go exploring and the final panel is just the two of them racing off down the hill. And there's a one of the compilation it's books so is good. just called It's a Magical World, Hobbs. And or maybe just it's magical it's a magical world, world or whatever. Um I I desperately love these comics, if you can't tell. I could I could probably just sit here and read you strips uh forever and be pretty contented, I would say. Yeah, so in the beginning of uh, that first book, there's a foreword by Bill Watterson and 
there's some really interesting stuff in there. It's kind of funny because I was talking to Matt before this podcast, before we recorded this show, and I was just kind of like, you know, I thought that the the forward would be a little bit more uh, heartfelt, poignant. Yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah. But it, you know, but then again, it's like there is kind of like a a forward forward, and then there's kind of like an introduction to the book. Mm-hmm. The forward forward is very much a dedication to all the people that helped sure. Bill Watterson uh, versus. This kind of intro to his life and how uh, he actually got into political commentary uh, mm-hmm. in the newspaper. That was like his first cartoonist job. Right, was him writing for the like some Cincinnati paper, the Cincinnati right? Inquirer. And, yeah, yeah. So the Inquirer and failing, completely failing, uh, not doing well, scrambling to try and come up with any amount of political commentary in the eighties, yeah. which. Uh, by the way, the eighties were a fodder for political sure. commentary. Yeah. Like if you think about like maybe the most successful decade for political commentary in yeah. comics, it would almost definitely be the eighties right. because of, uh, everything that was going on then. Uh, but it's so funny that he failed to, <laughs> to come up with poignant, uh, political commentary at a time when it was just so like, if, to me, like in hindsight, I guess it seems so easy yeah. uh, to do. Um, but it's a lot about him just kind of going through and trying to figure out his own thing and what like, he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And how he would draw comic strips and like there would be like a really awesome pop off the page character, but the, all the characters around that character would always be flat mm-hmm. is, is the thing that he would say. And so, so, you know, uh, uh, publishings didn't pick him up. Um, the mm-hmm. publishers didn't pick him up. And it wasn't until he drew like a random strip. Uh, where Calvin and Hobbes were kind of secondary characters that people were like, this is good. How about you stick with these two? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we really like these two guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We really like these two guys. So whoever came up with that is really kind of the hero of Calvin and Hobbes in a way. Right. And there are some things, that some mistakes that he kind of made early on uh, that he acknowledges where he would send in Calvin and Hobbes strips and they would reject them. They mm-hmm. would reject them outright. Like, you know, it's his strip and, and he would never push back because he didn't want anything running that somebody else didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so he would never push back on, on the editor- editorializing. I think he even says that it made him a better comic, it, comic book writer mm-hmm. or comic strip writer uh, to the point where eventually he wasn't even really writing Calvin and Hobbes because Calvin and Hobbes would write itself right yeah he could he could just sort of let the characters exist and he just got to such a place where i mean any number of settings uh can come yeah. he, I, i've been reading the the last set which is 92 through 95 and yeah mm-hmm. you really feel like it's just in its stride i read one where the the story arc was like two or three full weeks like he he was clearly just like i wow. could just keep going on this like i'm writing a little book here <laughs> and it just happens yeah. to be releasing one strip at a time and like the sunday strips would have nothing to do it but it's like 18 strips of one solid story and it's like how- you, you feel that quality of like i just could keep going here i, I could just do this <laughs> forever i wonder how common that was in the 80s and 90s yeah. too for a comic strip to go on that long you right. know there might be some where you might have expected it and i wonder how engaging that was for newspaper readers mm-hmm. back then now you know for you 
folks that are a little bit younger, you may not know this because the newspaper is dead. <laughs> but uh, but uh, back when newspaper, you know, the newspaper didn't die until, you know, the early 2000s yeah. with the advent of, you know, online news, instant right. news, right? Mm-hmm. And then really died when Twitter came along, unfortunately, yeah. uh, in 2008 or nine. Um, that was really the death of kind of newspapers as we know them. Sure. Now it's all digitized. Yeah. And this generation's not going to get a Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. That's something else to remember about uh, these strips is they are at the, not just the end of the life cycle of, of newspaper, but just the end of the mm-hmm. life cycle of, of really comic strips. Yeah, there was uh, a, there was obviously that the, they were kind of mostly replaced with for a while. There was the popularity of just digital comics, which were more or less the yeah. same format but like a different release style which meant they just felt they had this different context or whatever but yeah even that has like come the way of you know now i mean just like memes and everything else are sort of like the top especially like political commentary like the the way we engage with that format has evolved so much i was in an illustrated narrative class in college that was really fascinating Mm -hmm. uh because we talked about comics and graphic novels but we also talked about just memes we had a we had like a one month study of memes which is feels maybe stupid but is like incredibly apt to like the climate of this style of work these days i mean so much of this stuff goes goes into uh into this format now you just don't see comics the same way i have a friend who is a comic artist i'd love to get Mm him on the show sometime although he doesn't do like kids stuff so it, it may not be relevant but it's fascinating to see that industry's like how it tries to hold on now right because nowadays there's there's apps for like you know serialized comics superhero comics and stuff like that are obviously still doing very very well there's other formats it's this it's the strip that has died away more than anything else right the comic strip has really lost its audience but like comics and the art of of you know illustrated narrative has i don't think necessarily gone away although it has changed a lot but it does feel like the four panel strip um has has really died off a book we read in that class that i still own mm-hmm. and i need to lend to you ej i'm holding it right here in front of you it's called understanding comics by scott mcleod it is an absolutely legendary uh book about comics and it is um mm. it is a textbook about the language of comics told in comic form. So he uses wow. his, uh, his own comic to show you examples of various concepts and methodology how and how to communicate ideas in, uh, in comic form. And it is one of the better pieces of media I've ever read in my entire life. And if anything, I, I haven't sat down much with Calvin and Hobbes since mm-hmm. taking that class and reading this book. And going back and reading in Calvin Hobbes with like the kind of new language I have has made me like deeply appreciate Appreciate like it it. it makes sense now why comic artists are like, yeah, nobody can ever touch Bill Watterson. He is perfect uh, because (laughs) his ability to convey space and movement and language and everything is just unparalleled. It's true. It's absolutely true. Watterson is the goat. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, we wouldn't have uh, what we have uh, today uh, and the memories that we have mm-hmm. without Watterson uh, for sure. In uh, these days, I wanted to go into kind of like what the future looked like. I mean, now we have, like you said, online comics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like XKCD is a good example sure. of like an o- online kind of format. 
uh, where this person has basically come up with a way to uh, continue yeah. uh, doing comic strips in a way that is communicated in a different sort of medium, right? Yeah. Like being able to play um, with kind of the new medium, right? Yes. Being able to play outside the box a little bit right. is kind of what XKCD does. Um, yeah. You know, not limited to the space on the page. So it it's a different form of art. It's evolved past um, what it used to be. Um, but that does not mean that, you know, those evolutions would have been possible mm -hmm. without people like Watterson. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I think modern comic authors or comic strip authors owe probably everything yeah. to, to some, somebody like Bill. Yeah, I um, think so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, we could probably wrap it up. EJ, congratulations on 50 episodes. Congratulations on everything. It feels... I'm glad we did Calvin and Hobbes because uh, it's just a thing to get to like feel very nostalgic for. And it feels like a good... It feels like a good number 50 <laughs> of just like, yeah, we get to talk about one of the legends uh, on this one. And like I said, I could sit here and read. Everybody, take this as an opportunity pull up online and just spend the next 20 minutes or so, 20 minutes today just sit down and read a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes just just peruse through some sort of online collection or if you have one of those old books sit down with it again it is it is always and forever will be worth your time <laughs> yeah for sure and it's crazy too that Calvin grew up to be Kendall Roy for <laughs> oh no we can't we can't do this right now EJ I can't have you EJ's on a succession kick and this is where we have to cut off the show right now because my friend Bye. my friend is doing real damage to himself and we have to I've got to have a talk so goodbye everybody <laughs> oh, no.